Um, we are, of course, continuing on with our Summer and Mark series, and uh, there are Bibles on your tables and, and handouts that can guide you there. We are going to be in the Gospel of Mark, of course. We're going to be in chapter 4 today, and so if you are going to be following along with us, I would invite you to, to find your way there. If you're using the Bibles provided for you, that's going to be on page 1,562 is where we're going to be. If you have your own, of course, then, uh, then it, we're, we're glad that you have your own text. Uh, but of course, just as kind of a refresher for why we're doing this, uh, the Gospel of Mark is the oldest uh, gospel text that we have. Uh, our, our New Testament begins with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These are four different but similar accounts of the, the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ. And we look at these texts for a few particular reasons, and of course the first one is to learn more about Jesus and to learn more about this one that because of the resurrection uh, offers us salvation through the love of God. And so um, we look at these texts because we also understand we receive an invitation from this same God to become more like God. We read in the scriptures that we are to, for example, uh, be holy as he is holy. God also invites us into a way of life where we love one another in the same manner and as he has loved us as well. So in order for us to love like he loves, we would be good to learn more about him. And so that's why we're looking at Mark and we're really taking our time this whole summer looking at different stories, different perspectives, and you've already heard different voices that are presenting the text. And uh, we are also encouraged by the conversation that happens around this table. This is actually how these early scriptures were communicated amongst people, is through speech. Uh, people did not have their own individual copies of the scriptures. Uh, we do have that benefit now. One of the beauties that's lost when we individualize the text is that we lose the conversation if we don't make spaces available to discuss the text. So that's why we're doing that as well. So thank you for being open and flexible to this format that we're trying this summer, uh, and hopefully you've already been benefiting from it. In Mark chapter 4, we're going to be with verse 1, and these are the first parables that we see in the Gospel of Mark. Up until this point, we've read stories of healings and, and his baptism, for example. But if you're familiar at all with the Gospel texts, then we have these things called parables. And what parables are, are really stories that Jesus uses to communicate either um, things about life in general or specifically things about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven that we've talked extensively about here at Reachway. The thing about parables is that they're not uh, true in that they were things that actually happened, uh, but they are very much real in that we can apply the principles that we read in them. Jesus does this so beautifully, and I, I do find great um, just shock and awe in stories that he shared thousands of years ago can still apply to us today. I, I think that is absolutely incredible. 
And so we look at these parables today. There are several there. If you're looking at your text, we have uh, my, my particular translation has these captioned off and sectioned off. The parable of the sower, um, the parable of the lamp on a stand, the parable of the growing seed, and the parable of the mustard seed. Uh, today, we are going to be starting at verse 26. Of course, all of Mark chapter 4 is helpful to us, but today we're going to be looking at the parable of the growing seed and the parable of the mustard seed specifically. So, if I could read these for us, and feel free to follow along with me, and we're going to talk about them together. So, starting at verse 26, uh, it's, Jesus also said, This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Verse 30, again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like, or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed which is the smallest of all seeds on the earth. Yet when it is planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that birds can perch in its shade. And we're going we're gonna to stop right there and look at those two parables today. Of course, the common theme here between the two of them is this idea of seeds, which were not uncommon when Jesus had his ministry, agriculture was by far the largest uh, thing that people did. There were a lot of farmers and, and farm hands. That's just kind of, of course, how food was grown and uh, money was also made. So seeds were not uncommon, and they're not really uncommon to us. Of course, not all of us might be farmers or gardeners. We still know what a seed is. We realize that they are objectively very, very small and yet become relatively larger things. For a seed to be something that can fit right just on one finger and become either a very large plant or even a tree, perhaps, the transformation that takes place there really is remarkable. And Jesus knows this, and that's why Jesus, I think, uses this idea of seeds to help communicate to us some of the mystery of the kingdom of God and, and life in general. I love what Jesus is doing here, and I want us to see this before we, we dive into our group discussion. I think it's going to be helpful for us to understand that in these two parables, Jesus is already turning upside down life. What he's doing is he's not only attaching value, but he's attaching holy characteristics to very small and insignificant things. It would be one thing for Jesus, if he so choose, to talk about how the kingdom of heaven is like a very large mansion or castle, or is like a very large uh, herd of uh, perhaps ox or bull or cows. Jesus could have said, the kingdom of God is like, and then he could fill in the blank with the biggest and most ornate thing. But of course, he doesn't do that. 
He in, fact, he, in fact, relates the kingdom of God to perhaps the smallest thing that was regularly used by people. Um, what we read in that first parable is um, things that were often perhaps thrown, that were treated quite insignificantly, trusting that what this seed can do is something that a human cannot do. And it's when we can make that connection that we really do understand, wow, this kingdom of God is so much different than how people organize their own lives and, and how the cultures and powers organize themselves as well. But we've read the parables and I've given that little piece of context and I really just kind of want to turn things over to you all now. You have questions on your table um, hopefully, there's one piece of paper there for everyone. I'd like to read these questions real quick, but then we're going to turn things over to your tables as you talk for uh, perhaps 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, four questions today. The first two are quite similar. Uh, when you read the parable of the growing seed, that's verses 26 through 29, what are some thoughts and ideas that come to mind? Same thing with the next parable of the mustard seed. What are some thoughts and ideas that come to mind there? Once again, these parables were first communicated in discussion just like this. So, um, of course, share what's on your mind if something does pop into your head. Uh, the third question is regarding this idea that small things eventually have a big impact. What are some tensions and temptations you recognize between the kingdom of God and the culture around you today? Take some time with that question. Uh, I think there are some important things to learn. And then question four, what does the church, not only Reachway Church, but all other churches, the church around the world, and of course the people who follow Jesus, what do we need to be mindful of as we embrace a small things are meaningful mentality? So I want to turn things over. You'll have enough time for probably about three or four minutes per question. So keep that in mind, and we'll come back together in just a little while. So let's chat it up, and we'll get back together soon. Appreciate you all having a discussion together and, and kicking some ideas around. If, if I could just uh, speak to a, a few of those questions that you all shared, hopefully tie this discussion together, and perhaps we'll, we'll connect on our thoughts as well. Uh, the, the parable of the growing seeds specifically is something that I'm quite fond of. We're really introduced, and of course, this being uh, the first stretch of parables here for the reader of Mark, we're really introduced to the mystery of the kingdom of God. And, and it's the word mystery that I know in a world of uh, proof as king and show your work and um, except, and I speak to a math teacher who's here in the front row. Um, it's hard for us to engage with mystery. It's quite uncomfortable as well. And yet Jesus addresses this quite clearly uh, where we read about the one who scatters seed does not know how it sprouts and grows. Of course, if you don't know how something happens, then you don't know how something happens. And you either have to embrace that and you have to receive that or perhaps work against it and really just find yourself frustrated. If you have yourself ever said or thought, only God could have done this, this would be an example of the mystery. 
It, it would be an example where you cannot even conceive a way where point A got to point B or where these things lined up or, and, and it can look completely different, but if you ever thought that, then you have been um, a witness to the mystery, not the exact proof or evidence of the kingdom of God, but first, the mystery that God is actively at work and engaging with us, even though we don't know how he does that. We should take note that there is still this idea of human involvement here. This whole parable begins with a person scattering seed. And it is very important for us to understand that, yes, God can do a whole lot with a whole little, but he has to be given that little first. The farmer, in order to grow corn, for example, needs to plant something. Um, and of course, the farmer is not in control of the sunshine and the rain and the weather conditions, but the farmer is in control of one thing, and that is, are you going to plant some seed? Are you going to scatter some seed? And we talk about this here at Reachway. We have one of our values being this idea of having, <clears throat> excuse me, an all-in attitude. This idea that every single person has something that they can give. And what's not important is if it's a relatively large or small thing to give, but that you give it. Because once again, we believe a couple of things is that God can take that small thing and he can make it into a big thing. And also that when everyone chips in, surrounding people pay attention and they are encouraged to chip in as well. And all of a sudden we have this snowball effect where everyone's going all in, everyone's given what they can. In fact, you, you may recall if you were here in the season where we were leading up to the launching of Reachway Church, a, a, a mantra that we went by was that we will give what we can the best we can. We'll give what we can, whether it's our time, our, our energy, our efforts. And we talked about a few series ago the strong benefit and value of giving financially as well. Um, and a lot of you have given today as you entered, and some of you will go, and you've given online. It, it makes possible, of course, the things that we do here on a local level, but what we've talked about before and we will talk about again is how the dollars given here end up going around the world as well, ends up going to college campuses to help students with scholarships. So it's this idea that something that seems insignificant can become something much larger. So this idea of the parable of the mustard seed, uh, we just talked about the mystery. What I think the parable of the mustard seed does is it gives us an understanding of the end goal of these seeds. And once again, so we don't miss this, these are seeds, whether it's time, effort, finance, um, just even thought to a scenario. These are all seeds that we can all give. And the mustard seed parable shows us that God can use very, very small things to become not only big things, but very helpful things as well. Now, this is really good news for people, some of you might be in this room, who feel like you don't have a lot to give. I've heard this before, uh, spoken by people at every single church that I've served at. Um, 
I just don't feel like I have a lot to give. And while I resonate with that, of course, as a person who has felt like they've come up short before, um, it's not the hope and encouragement that I could give someone to say, keep trying. What I'm able to do is I'm able to point at the creator of the universe that created you and I, and I can say, look what he does with mustard seeds. Look at what he does. Many of us might have stories about uh, perhaps what seemed to be a very insignificant and perhaps inexpensive gift that you've given someone has proven to be perhaps a life-altering gift. Um, this is what God can do with these small things. I also want us to see, of course, the kingdom of God start small, can become very big, and in the case of the mustard plant, that the primary ends of the kingdom are inclusion, hospitality, and rest. I love the image of a huge tree being a place of rest for birds and animals of all kinds. I love that image. And that is the image that we are given as the church, people who are working to see the kingdom of God here on earth as it would be in heaven. That is, a, that is something we need to keep on the forefront of our minds is that one of our main purposes as kingdom participants is being hospitable, is being inclusive, and being a group of people that can, when they're in your presence, rest. That's what the mustard plant does. I think that's what the church needs to have on the forefront of his mind as well. In a world of categories governed by boundaries, the kingdom of God says, all are welcome. And that is an incredible witness that I think a lot of our world is starving for. And if the church can provide that, I think we're only headed in the right direction. Um, I'd like to share a few more thoughts. When we consider the notion of seeds being a driving force for kingdom activity, um, there are some things that the church, and of course not just Reachway Church, but we're talking about people who follow Jesus, need to be mindful of. And there are two things here that I'd like to highlight. The first one is that everyone has more to give than they probably think or realize. And I think this is true of uh, the, perhaps the financially richest person down to the financially uh, poorest person, perhaps, just to use that one metric, is between that whole spectrum, I think every single person has more to give than they probably think or realize. We've already talked about this idea of having an all-in attitude, believing that God has given every single person, even if it doesn't seem like a lot, something to contribute to the blessing of others, to the building up of a neighborhood or a city, to the flourishing of a street uh, or your neighbor's households. And so because of that belief, we allow it to influence our actions as well. We believe something is true, and so we witness to that truth, and we say then we will give generously of our time and of our resources to help others. Oftentimes, and hear me on this, I'm going to keep this same seed plant metaphor. Oftentimes, followers of Jesus get into a pattern of thinking where they think that plants are required of them. 
when we're talking about the gifts that we are to give, we kind of get into this mode of thinking where my gift or offering to God needs to be something that is already complete, needs to be something that is already ready, needs to be something that is already established and built and has proven itself. The thing about that is, is when you and I got baptized, we were imperfect in many ways. <laughs> and when you and I got baptized, uh, we did not know a whole lot then in reference to what we perhaps now know. And, but when, when we get into this, this, this train of thought where I need to have everything figured out and put together before I give something, this is what's gonna end up happening is you'll never end up giving anything. It is way easier to take a packet of seeds and spread it on dirt than it is for you to create a plant. How would you create a plant? I don't even, you, you can't, right? It's, this is God who has created these things. Um, oftentimes when we feel like we have to present the things that are already ready and sufficient, we become discouraged. And it's discouragement that God doesn't necessarily wanna see in our lives. So the first thing, everyone has probably more to give than they think or realize. Here's the second thing, is that a kingdom lifestyle requires a deep well of patience. And I'm drawing on this analogy of a well that you would perhaps draw water out of. The deeper that well can go, uh, the more water you will have. The deeper that well can go, the longer that you could perhaps last because you can keep drawing and that bucket can keep going further and further underground. The same thing with patience. I'd like to, to give this analogy. Hopefully you can get there with me. If you were to stare at the same plant every single day, it would be very hard for you to actually track and recognize its growth. You know what I'm saying? If you were to wake up every single day, look at the same plant, stare at the same plant, and try to compare it to what it was yesterday, it would be near impossible if you just went day by day, day by day. You would not be able to recognize its growth. I think that we would become discouraged. I not only think we would become discouraged, but I think we would also become critical and I think we would also become resentful towards the soil or towards the seeds that the person at the nursery sold you or towards whatever kind of condition that you think is necessary in order for that thing to grow. The one who scatters seed, and hopefully you and I are embracing even more of an understanding of what it looks like for us to scatter seed, we spend our time scattering seed, period. End of story. That is what we are called to do. That's what these parables show us. We absolutely believe, make no mistake about it, that the kingdom of God is on the way. We believe that the kingdom of God and the priorities of it are finding themselves to be true and real here in the lives that we're living right now. But it will be more easily recognized by us if we can compare today, not with yesterday, but with 10, 20, 30, 100 years ago. And if we can compare today, not with tomorrow, 
but 10, 20, 30, 100 years down the road. And I say this to the congregation of a 10-month-old church. <laughs> and of course, I'd ask the question, remember how you were when you were 10 months old? But I don't think any of us could. <laughs> Perhaps we have stories about how we were when we were 10 months old, but, but that would be about it. Um, when we look at, and I'll just say, uh, the kingdom of God as it is in Peoria, as it is in heaven. It will be difficult if you perhaps compare the progress of the churches in Peoria, Reachway Church specifically, if you, I would even say, are looking at us from September 23rd, 2018, which was our first Sunday gathering. We've, we've grown in certain areas, of course, and we've adapted to certain conditions, but we are nowhere close to where I really do believe we're going to be in five, ten years from now, and of course beyond that. So my encouragement, my, my challenge to us all today is when you consider your activity in the kingdom of God, the, the thing that you can contribute, and not only the thing that you can contribute, but when you look back on the things that you have contributed and trying to track their progress and see if there's fruit that is uh, coming up from those, those offerings that you've given. I just want to give you one word, and it is patience. It's patience. Don't stop scattering seed. Don't stop giving what you can. Be patient, and then in the same way, be ready when that harvest comes. Because when that harvest comes, we're going to have more work to do. Uh, we're going to have more people to include. We're going to have more people to bless. And so uh, 